0: Welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. Why are they drawn to these communities and what's the stuff that inspires them? My name is Alan Nakagawa and I'll be your host. For four decades, artist Mariel Latterman Ukeles has been the artist-in-resident for the New York Department of Sanitation. There's much already documented and available online about her prolific commitment to the department and what is essentially a lifelong creative process that in some degree stems out of her 1969 maintenance art manifesto also two books were published in recent years as well i recommend reviewing her portfolio at feldmangallery.com and information regarding her 2016 retrospective at the queens museum in new york at queensmuseum.org I would be hard-pressed to come up with an artist who has influenced more uh, the current trend of artist residencies in government institutions. Certainly, those of us who have been privileged to participate in these programs owe much to her. For visitings, it was important that she be part of this archive of interviews, and we were lucky enough to speak to her over the phone about her artistic trajectory. In September
1: two thousand seventeen. Okay, um, my name is Merrill Laterman Ukales, and I'm an artist. Um, I'm also the artist in residence at the New York City Department of Sanitation. I'm the official unsalaried artist-in-residence at the New York City Department of Sanitation. Now, to me, to me, because I had been focusing on maintenance, uh, maintenance, all kinds of maintenance, personal maintenance, maintenance of the city, maintenance of this building, maintenance in nature for many years. But to me, the sanitation department seemed like the major leagues, you know, that I had just been invited to come to the major league right. of the maintenance world. So I was thrilled. I was just thrilled. And I came, I had a meeting with the commissioner. This was the end of 1976. And they said, And he said, I want you to meet the sanitation workers, and I'm going to have someone take you around and show you all the different aspects of the sanitation department. Uh So they assigned a woman, Gloria Johnson, to take me, to drive me around. In those days, there were several landfills. This was at the beginning of, it sounds crazy to say, this. this was at the beginning of environmental regulations. The, huh. there were landfills, there were incinerators in those in those days that soon became, um, you know, decommissioned because they were they were so polluting. Um, many garages, uh, borough repair shops. But but what uh, what I got what what I was so lucky was that she showed me a variety of activities. that, that it wasn't just one kind of work. It was many, many kinds of work, but all focused on this major leagues of maintenance, of taking care of the whole city. The first people that you meet in a new situation they, they end up having kind of a lot of influence on you that you're kind of unaware of. She, she introduced Gloria Johnson person that the commissioner asked to show me around. She introduced me to a man named Leroy Adolph, a superintendent who was the head of training, of uh, training new sanitation workers. Oh, okay. And he was a very passionate teacher. He said, sit down. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what we have to do here. So he taught, he like really kind of taught me. And then they, they made sure I went to all the shops. It was for an artist. It was like going to heaven. They have forge, the forge shop, welding, carpentry, painting you name it they you know they could make a truck i mean it was um, amazing that <laughs> the, the skill. A lot of the people in these um in these workshops were were in the, had been in the theater were themselves artists were highly skilled highly skilled people highly skilled people so that and they needed to have a, a an ongoing job you know so they gave up the theater they got a job at sanitation. But the whole place was filled with these very highly skilled people. So I I spent a year and a half um, learning and listening, listening to sanitation workers, many of them feeling terrible about how they were perceived, also terrible that they were getting laid off or they were afraid they would get laid off. Mm. Like they took this job... For security, not because they loved picking up people's garbage, and then the, because of the fiscal crisis when they were losing their jobs, there were just there was a lot of really raw uh, feelings at loud volume in the garages of people that that I met, but also huge skill. So anyhow, I after about. I think about a year or maybe eight, eight months, nine months, something like that, I drew up a set of proposals, um, what I wanted to do there. I was so uh, taken by the variety of things that, that sanitation is responsible for, certainly the workforce. Uh, And having listened to many, many, many sanitation workers, uh, I wanted to do something with the workforce, like 8,500 people. Then I was taken also by the skills that people have. Like I rode around in mechanical sweepers. The streets are crazy. You know, like you're supposed to clean the streets. But people double park, sometimes triple park. Hmm. Well, How are you supposed to do that? And then you get into trouble that you skip skip this place. But there were like three lanes of cars there. And they don't freak out. I mean, they get mad, but they don't freak out. (laughs) They keep working. (laughs) And they're so skilled. Like I got a chance to see the skill of the drivers and of the... People moving, moving, moving through the city in this flow of material. Uh, So I, so I proposed first to do this piece called Touch Sanitation, where I would—that was with the people, where I would face each worker, and deliver a message that I thought had sort of gotten lost. Like I didn't say thank you for keeping New York City clean. I moved it up a level, and I said, thank you for keeping New York City alive, which is exactly what they do. Mm. They enable us to live in the present and not have to walk around on the throwouts of yesterday. Um, So that was one proposal. The second proposal was to do what I called at the time a skills festival to celebrate the great skill which turned into these work a series of work ballets. And then and then I, I went to uh, about five, six landfills, and that was amazing to me that these are public spaces, uh, 300 acres, 400 acres. Fresh Kills was 2,200 acres. That's three Central Parks big. Wow. All public land. So this was the time in the '70s of the of the of the uh, earthworks artists, land artists, mostly in the West Coast, creating fabulous art that I loved. However, to get to see them, if I'm here, I am in New York. You have to fly there. You have to often even rent a private plane. Uh, to get out to see Walter De Maria, to see Smithson, to see Nancy Holt, and they were all uh, creating work, land art on private land, so they could do what they wanted. The 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 I thought that these landfills, once they, you know, complete the the landfill part they would be returned to the public. And also I thought it was really a very good idea for people to come right in while they're dumping garbage there, covering the garbage, and see what we do, see what we're making here, like what our culture is Producing and and degrading the, the land like we're like we're doing there, mm-hmm. so I flipped out over these what I called urban earthworks. And they saw that I le- that I wanted to learn that I was interested that I was so interested, and that and that I listened, that I was willing to let li- take. That to kind of set my own, I don't want to say to set my own artistic desires aside because it was actually feeding me as an artist that I was willing to learn. And the reason I'm saying this is that for this entity of artists in residence in municipal uh, government, I think it's not an, a, a white cube gallery or studio. You're in a living system, and and it's not for every artist. It because you have to be willing to learn, because it's really interesting. I mean, if you find this interesting, it really is interesting. Uh, many different departments, it's the way a city kind of figures out how to be itself, you know, how to deal with nature, how to deal with security, how to deal with transportation, as you know, um, to keep the way open and working and not, and not have people get killed on, on the streets. Um, these are huge living systems. That's the city. It was, it was very hard for me personally because I spent way too much time <laughs> writing grants, way too much time. Hmm. I mean, looking back, if you, I, I, I spent so much time r- trying to raise money to do this to do this stuff. Now, once that I would get a grant. Then there would be a tremendous amount of in-kind cooperation or even help from within the department. but the onus uh, was on was on me. The levels of support were enormous, but the but every two weeks when people would go put their check in the bank, every two weeks, Alan, I felt bad. Uh. <laughs> Oh, man. So I know now that a lot of artists in these, I'm so thrilled that this notion is taking off because I think that artists have so much to offer. Huge, huge new, different kind of way of thinking that they can, uh, artists can bring in to a, a constricted city agency. And what's great is that different artists will come up with different, totally different things. It's, I found that, that people in the department, they could actually be, use the almost the undefined or free aspect of what, what I am a kind of almost a mystery Hmm. of what the art could be or who I am or what I could do. They wanted to do that also. You know, it kind of uh, opened up uh, possibilities for people to stretch, go beyond um, what they they have signed up to do, uh, what the city needs them to do, actually. (laughs) And I think also, like I did a piece at LA MoCA where I worked with um, sanitation workers, with firefighters, street maintenance workers, many kids in schools, high schools. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could have gotten access to those workers without the Commissioner of Sanitation in New York writing letters on my behalf. I'm I'm just sure of it. Mm. The museum people, the LA Mocha people, they were able to use that to go with me with the letter, with the connection from a pier in in New York City to the is the pier in Los Angeles and they say, Oh, ha. Huh. Set up a meeting like that. Um so that it was a way it was a way to be an artist um, with a hell of a lot of content packed in
0: between that and um, I, it it sounds like across the board, you're talking about permission, you know. Per- yes. Permission to dream, permission to go outside yes, of your both routine. Both ways, permission
1: both ways. Yeah,
0: both both ways. It's great. Yes, exactly. Permission to dream. So you're right. literally bridging.
1: Once you get, and once that becomes a kind of develops a, a kind of reality around mm-hmm. in in these very tough daily day. But you got to keep, you know, open the streets, uh, fix the lights, uh, pick up the garbage. I mean, this stuff never, 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 never stops, and it's very daily. But this permission, this layer of permission to dream, it's... It, Opens it brings in air for everybody. For the art, the artist has to have that, but it brings in air to for everybody around. Well, let let me just okay. So let me let me say a few words about the Queens okay. Museum, okay? For the past five years, mm-hmm. um. I've been involved in this project at the at the to to have uh, a book about um, 50 years of work and a show at the Queens Museum that for the first time they invited an artist to take over all the temporary exhibition spaces of the museum. So um, it was extremely intense period getting this book uh, actually there were two books that had been published in the last uh, two years three years one was called Seven Work Ballets and one a book that came out in coordination with the Queens Museum and Prestel pub, art publishers called My Name, Merrill Lederman Ukulee's Maintenance Art and that book was written by Patty Phillips and Lucy Lepard and Larissa Harris and Tom Finkel Pearl conducted interviews with four sanitation commissioners mm. in an art book. Nice. Um, and 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 Prestel said to said to us, if this book isn't ready for publication by the opening of the show, which was one year ago to the today we're not publishing the book cool. so we all got pretty nervous and and spent a lot of time first on getting this book done and then worked like hell to get this show filled filling up the 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 whole museum so i the way we did this show was the way that i actually have worked on most of my big, big, big projects. And that was, it was a team, kind of a team. First of all, I was invited. The idea to have this show came from Tom Finkel-Pearl, who at that point was the head of the Queens Museum, and Patricia Phillips, an art thinker, art writer, uh, that I have worked with over many projects. And I had done... Many projects with Tom before, when he was at PS1, when he was um, uh, at the head of Percent for Art, and and many of his own um, manifestations through the years, and then as the head of the Queens Museum. Very shortly after that, so I said yes. Very shortly after that, the mayor um, asked him to be the Commissioner of Cultural Affairs, and he left. He had to leave. Mm-hmm. And Larissa Harris, a, a curator at the museum, inherited me. <laughs> and Laura Reykjavik, the new head of the museum, inherited me. They didn't. Neither one of them really knew me at all, and didn't know that intensely. Didn't know intensely about my work, like Tom did. Patty Phillips was the co-curator, but Larissa became the curator of the... And she... My work was to do this with the museum. People, also John Wanzell, this genius head of installation at the museum. I mean, they have... They don't have the biggest staff in the world, but they have an incredible staff. And then I worked with the sanitation department and with my gallery, the Feldman Gallery in New York. So all of us kind of working together, we extricated work going all the way back to 69, actually to the early 60s,
0: early work. Yes, yes.
1: 63, going all the way back to 1963, and and I'll just mention two things. Um, I I knew I knew a lot about empty spaces in the sanitation department. So we we extricate we what the museum people said we had extractions. We extracted this very large piece called Ceremonial Arch Honoring Service Workers. That was I had stashed away, you know, I didn't have any money, but I knew about empty storage spaces in decommissioned incinerators. Hmm. So I stashed the thirty eight crates of this ceremonial arch in in among the the incinerator machines. We had to extract them from from these pretty, pretty you know, old and and quite dirty spaces inside of the incinerator, uh-huh. and also many artworks that I, that the sanitation department had given me a trailer out of Fresh Kills to to um, store my work there. And this piece that I had done, called that I started talking about, called I Make Maintenance Art, one hour every day, was one of the pieces. Stored away in this trailer. We took it out. I didn't even know remember that it had been there. We opened it up. It hadn't seen the light of day since 1976. Mm. And it was fresh as a daisy. (laughs) And I'm so happy to tell you that the Whitney Museum, they feel like they brought it home. They bought it. And it's now in a show right now in New York. Uh, an exhibition at the at the Whitney Museum, um, called an Incomplete History of Protest, 1940 to t- 2017. Wow! So they feel that the work was born at the Whitney and it came home. It's going to live in, live at the Whitney.
0: <laughs> wow! Congratulations.
1: <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, thank you. Anyhow, so the, um, you know, the I've a lot of a lot of the uh uh the things i've done have been kind of like uh patch, patching together possibilities mm-hmm. i would say that's what a lot of the work a lot of the work has been and and this show um i was able to have several public programs one of them was where you you participated in of the artist in residence Uh, People from all over the country now where these programs are happening was so thrilling to me uh, that it's really happening. And I must say, in New York, it's happening in many, many agencies. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it happened is because of Tom Finkel-Pearl's vision that he convinced the mayor this is a good thing. And we should do this all over, all over the city. And the mayor went for it. And then Thomas is terrific staff and they're developing these residencies. And now it's in Los Angeles, all uh, different cities, all over, the, all over the country. I'm very, very thrilled about that. One other thing I want to say, uh, this, this show was wonderful. It was, it it was just, it was, it was great having all that real estate, I must tell you. It was so <laughs> nice to walk around the museum and walk from one decade of my life to another to yeah. another. I mean, what's to complain, man? It was just delicious.
0: It was magnificent. Um, and
1: they installed it magnificently. They really did. One one nice thing, um, the, uh, the show was announced by a poster, um, uh, announcing this career survey show at the Queens Museum, a beautiful poster, a photograph taken from Touch Sanitation so many years ago, uh, but a really cool picture of me with sanitation workers, and then announcing the show. And that poster was on every single garbage truck and street sweeper all over New York City for two months. Awesome. That was the announcement of the of the exhibition. <laughs> so it's a, a kind of way for of working, you know, where this whole city where the whole city is 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 part of the work.
0: And you also had a truck out in the courtyard as well.
1: Or yes, my it's social mirror the, yeah, mirror, the mirror the mirrored garbage truck, right. Yeah. <laughs> A thing in this world actually happens because it gets created, and we know that as artists. It doesn't exist. You create it, then it exists. This entity in that's in, in New York City. I'm just speaking about New York City now. Happened because of Tom Finkelpearl, not because of me.
0: Mm, um, I a person that.
1: with. <laughs> A person with power, Mm -hmm. who has some power, decides to take a risk and push for something that's risky, and that's how it happens anywhere. Now, the artist can help out a lot. I mean, the vision of the artist, that there's a place for an artist everywhere, everywhere, every day, all the time, art belongs there. Not just you know in leisure time or out of the way mm-hmm. behind the scene like that we belong right in the center of things that that's see the, the artist knows that but I, I don't think you can make things happen all by yourself you no. need help from the from the public officials right. you really need help from absolutely,
0: them absolutely
1: absolutely <laughs>
0: That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thanks to Meryl Latterman Newgales for being on the show. Thanks, as always, to the Echo Park Film Center, Machine Projects, and Dove Lab for letting me share this. I'm Alan Nakagawa sitting in my living room in Koreatown saying thank you for listening to Visitings.